0: Be sure to subscribe to this podcast so that you'll never miss a chance to find a new business to support and learn what makes a city like this one work as well as it does. So join us as we explore Happy Grateful Blessed with Tammy Tran. I'm here today with our Clerk Auditor and our Deputy Clerk Auditor. Curtis Koch, thanks for being here. Brian McKenzie, thanks for being here. Really appreciate the opportunity to talk to both of you about elections and election integrity. I've been to the county. I've been able to tour the facility. I've also been in the ballot counting room at the, uh, del- the Davis County Delegate Caucus and convention, and that was an interesting process as well to watch. So I wanted to just sort of turn the time over to you. Let's talk about elections. Let's talk about how we make sure that our vote counts.
1: Well, Tammy, thanks for inviting us. Uh, it's always uh, great to be able to talk about elections and and help people understand that this is their process. The election process is the citizen's process. And so uh, I've had the incredible opportunity over the last eight years uh, to be the clerk of the county and and oversee elections. And I've had uh, the pleasure of having Brian and a wealth of knowledge in our staff, well over a hundred years of election experience in our staff, Help me as I've grown and, and gone through this position. I, I say that because in January I will no longer be the clerk, and that's going to be a good thing. That's a that's a good thing uh, for the county and, and for me. Um, but I've seen really a change. My first presidential election that I went through in 2016 um, was really intense. That was a that was the uh, the presidential election with uh, President Trump and Hillary Clinton and we came through that election and and people were really charged up and it was supercharged and we were at a convention with all the clerks uh, or a large majority of the clerks in the state and i remember the sentiment was wow that was insane that was intense let's hope that that type of uh, a contest never happens again (laughs) and and i remember thinking and saying I think that's our new norm and unfortunately in 2020 that proved to be true so in the eight years that I've served as clerk what I've what I've really seen in elections is this um, really a, elections are now a divisive point in our nation um, it's not people coming together casting their vote and we move forward saying, this is the will of the people. Now, on both sides, I've, I've heard critiques from both sides uh, that sow doubt and fear. And uh, that happened in the past, but not to the level that we're at. And whether that has to do with social media, whether that has to do with strategy, which I, I believe it does yeah, in, I some, so too. Uh, in some political... Uh, ideologies and, and, and some candidates. But sowing this distrust is the greatest concern that I've seen. And the reason I say that is because I have seen the system uh, from a very unique perspective uh, as the, uh, the election official for the county. And I know that the people working elections, your friends and neighbors, these aren't federal... People. Right. These, these aren't are state the people, people we
0: know. Exactly. Right. Uh,
1: these are um, people from Davis County that are here running elections. And in doing so, there's we need people to understand their process. We need them to understand the election process. And so we've taken steps over the last uh, several years To open it up and make sure people have the opportunity and we'll talk more about that I'm sure but that's the biggest change I've seen it's almost as if if we say it enough it becomes true if I say something enough then it becomes a truth and that is not true Uh, to echo a lie to distort the facts um, does not make it a truth
0: absolutely true right
1: and so, you know, Brian has a, a wealth of experience. He's been in elections 16 years, and he will be the next clerk of the county. And, and maybe he can go into some of the things that we've, we've done in the past few years.
2: Yeah, uh, Tammy, thanks for having us on. Uh, it is interesting. As Curtis said, I've, I've been working in the election administration field for 16 years. That means I've worked with administering over 30 elections uh, here in Davis County. Everything from the smallest service district election to significant major presidential elections. And it is a fun and rewarding career knowing that we get to participate in something that really does matter, that makes a difference in our community and in our country. And it is interesting to see how elections have evolved over that period of time. Uh, when I started with Davis County, we were on the punch card ballot system.
0: I remember um,
2: and voting then, like that. <laughs> and then uh, when I got involved in the election end of things, that's when we were transitioning first to the touchscreen voting machines, the electronic touchscreen machines. And then I was uh, also involved in the transition to now uh, vote by mail and a paper ballot voting system. Um, and so I've seen a wide range of different voting methods uh, over this time, we've we've implemented the idea of vote centers, uh, making it to where you can go to any polling location in the county. We've implemented electronic poll books. We've implemented vote by mail. We've implemented uh, a number of legislative changes as well that have increased accessibility to the ballot, but also increased security to the ballot. Uh, we were involved in uh, the legislation that helped develop our voter ID laws, in the state of Utah, so we've seen a lot over the peri- over over this period of time that I've been involved in elections. Definitely, recently in our current environment, as Curtis has has mentioned, there is a, a heightened level of of uh, this divisiveness uh, within our communities, and it is it is something that we all collectively need to work on. Um, but as it relates to elections, you know, right now the uh, the very hot topic that people are discussing is this concern, this feeling or uncertainty about election security, election integrity. Something very important to remember is those of us who have been in election administration, uh, this topic is nothing new to us. It's not something that we just heard about for the first time in (laughs) 2020. Um, It's always been top priority for us. Uh, Since I've been involved in elections, uh, there's a number of security measures that are in place. Everything from uh, ballot accountability, um, chain of custody, uh, security measures for for identifying if equipment's been tampered with, testing of equipment, anything that's used for counting ballots, um, audits, post-election audits have always been a very important uh, aspect of the election field as well. And so as, as election administrators, we're constantly looking at ways that we can improve, ways that we can make sure that our elections are safe and secure. And as Curtis said, also making sure that our citizens have that opportunity to come in and learn for themselves. And I think that would probably be the biggest challenge that people have as they hear something or they learn of something from maybe somebody that they know and trust um, that causes some doubts or raises some questions. Uh, Our invitation is to all of our citizens, come in and learn for yourself, have Mm -hmm. your personal election experience, Mm -hmm. Uh, ask those questions. In our office, there's no question off limits. Uh, if, if you have a question, concern, doubt, anything like that, we want you to come in and see how we're doing at first uh, to help you come up with a conclusion of, of whether or not our elections are safe and secure.
0: Well, and, and I've, I've seen your posts, I've seen your, um, your outreach efforts where you say, come in and, and walk through and tour the facility and we'll walk you through everything. I've been to the meetings as a candidate, learning about the election process as well. I really appreciate the fact that within Davis County, and I think within Utah, generally, people are feeling confident. I mean, there's always those naysayers, for sure, that spread untruths just because it's a popular and fun thing to do, and and you get followers on Twitter. Mm -hmm. I realize that. But I mean, here locally, I have so much confidence in the election process because I do know the people that are behind the desks and doing the work, as well as I've been in those rooms. And so I do. I, I really do encourage people to really ask good questions and to show up. I mean, it's so easy to sit on your couch or your keyboard and, you know, buy into these theories than conspiracy theories of fraud and, 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 and things that so mistrust. I was going to ask you, so our, elect, our election machines, they're not connected to the Internet, right? Wasn't that the biggest thing where they were saying, oh, yeah, yeah. they could be hacked into. That's, that's one and... of the
2: many things that have been thrown out. Okay. Yeah, one, one of the concerns that people have, and I think it's important for us to recognize that there are, there's a, a wide variety of, of opinions out there. There are some people who have really legitimate questions, and we want them to ask those questions. And if people are concerned about voting machines connected to the Internet, um, that's a legitimate concern. I would have that concern as well if our voting machines were connected to the Internet. Uh, that's why I make sure that they're not. <laughs> Good. Okay. Um, and, and it's important that when we're talking about voting machines, we're talking about the machines that are used to tabulate our ballots. Right. Those machines are never connected to the Internet. Um, and, and I can say that definitively in Davis County because I'm actually the certified technician on our voting equipment. I had to go through specialized training from our election vendor. Uh, so I, I know what's inside of the machines as well. Um, and I know that our machines do not have the capability of connecting to the internet. Uh, they don't have any kind of wireless receivers. Um, it would, it would be basically saying if we remove the battery from our vehicle, um, then we know that it cannot be started, right? It Mm -hmm. needs to have that battery in order to function. And so our voting machines do not have those components that would allow them to be remotely accessed. Now, it's important to also recognize that people, you know, a, a very smart computer person, if they were given access to our voting machines, would they be able to hack them or, or change them in some way? Absolutely, they would in enough time. Um, but the key of that is access. And so my job is to make sure that bad actors don't have access to our machines, uh, that they're behind locked doors, that they're under video surveillance, that we have temper evident devices on them to where we can identify if a machine is is manipulated. And and we're very, very strict on this. If we have a machine that we have any kind of suspicion whatsoever that it has been accessed un- without authority, uh, that machine is removed from the election and it's never used.
0: That's fantastic. And even just as you were talking, you mentioned other safety precautions. So I, I appreciate that that's all in play here.
1: Yeah, it, it, it goes back to um, what can be thrown out in in a one or two sentence uh, mistruth, mm-hmm. I will call it. Elections are hacked. Well, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. And to Brian's point, look: if we didn't take care of physical custody and have chain of custody, then you should be concerned. But come and, and we'll show you what we're doing to right. ensure that we control the chain of c- custody; that nobody can have physical access to it. Um, the idea of well, somebody in China or Russia or New York or California is uh, accessing our machines through the internet, well, that's just flat out false. Um, but it's not about the truths that are being put out there. It's all you have to do is put a blanket statement that could mean a million different things to a million different people, and all of a sudden, now you have this distrust. I appreciate what you said that you have confidence, but the reason you have confidence is because you took the time, you came in, right. you had your own personal experience with the election process. Uh, any questions that you had, we're happy to, to, to talk about and answer. Um, and and that's, what, that's what will fix
2: our democracy right now. And, you know, it may be helpful just to identify a couple of these primary concerns that folks have.
0: Okay, good Uh, idea.
2: The one concern that has been brought up is, and we've talked about this, voting machines can be hacked. Uh, Our voting machines cannot be remotely accessed. They don't have the components to do that. It lacks the hardware, right? Mm -hmm. So they can't be hacked uh, without physical access. Myself and my election team, we make sure that only authorized people have access. So voting machines cannot be hacked remotely. The second one is, well, maybe we have a whole bunch of fraudulent voter registrations. Uh, the term has been used phantom voters mm-hmm. or excessive voters. Um, oftentimes when people learn that I'm in the election field as my career, they say, well, what do you do the rest of the year? Um, <laughs> we're doing were voter registration <laughs> all year uh, all year long. We're, we're monitoring that, we're updating that. We have a number of safeguards in place to, to number one, before you get registered, it has to be validated that you're a real person. Uh, we cross-reference that with other databases to, to make sure that you are a legitimate person, that you're registered at a real address, that it's not a vacant lot or something like that. And none of this is done automatically. This is all done by humans. Uh, individual, manually. Okay, good. A, manually pro- a manual process in our office. Uh, again, these are, these are your local county clerk staff that are doing it. Um, so that's one, making sure that our voter registration roles are accurate with data that's coming in. And then an ongoing maintenance of that voter registration system, uh, continually checking against vital records to remove voters who have deceased, um, identifying voters who are currently incarcerated and have lost their rights to vote, uh, voters who have moved. Um, we, we have a number of databases that we use for that. Our driver's license database is a great resource. Uh, the national change of address from the post office is a great resource. Uh, Utah's participation in the ERIC program, which is a multi-state, Organization in which we compare databases to help identify voters who have moved, um, and then and then also um, just regular communication with our voters, identifying if they've moved and updating those records. So we keep our voter registration system safe. The last one that is a common question is, well, what about somebody gathering up a whole bunch of ballots and, mm-hmm, and dropping them off? And dropping well, there's a couple of safeguards in there. One, which is the most important, is everybody as an individual citizen. Uh, you know, if my ballot didn't come in my mailbox and, and I know that everybody's getting a mail bo- uh, in ballot, uh, I contact my county clerk and I say, hey, I didn't receive my ballot. Our county clerks can go in and cancel that ballot, which would prevent it from ever being returned. Uh, and then they can reissue a new ballot if that's what the voter decides. But the other safety measure that we have from the election administrator perspective is every single ballot that is returned by the mail, it has to have a certain number of key identifiers on it. It has to be an authenticated envelope that was issued by the county clerk. Uh, The voter has to have not voted already. um, And it has to be signed by the voter. And yes, every single one of those signatures (laughs) is verified. So those measures that we have in place, both from the election administrator perspective and our citizens, help protect from that risk of somebody gathering up a bunch of ballots and and stuffing them into our ballot boxes. Um, They can't duplicate them. uh, They can't put multiple ballots in for the same person. And they can't just gather those up without that coming to somebody's knowledge and and basically raising those red flags and, and sounding off those alarms. So those are some of those key areas that people have expressed concerns. And we have a number of safeguards and protections to help prevent any of that from ever happening.
0: How often are the vital records searches updated? I mean, you you talk about looking mm-hmm. for that information. Yeah. Is it a
2: so it's a regular thing, update? Or? No, it's a regular update. Usually within a week or so after somebody's um, passed away and their death certificate has been issued, uh, we get a notification automatically uh, through our system. We're able to take a look at that, confirm that the information matches, and we're actually required to update that information within five days.
0: Oh, that's fantastic to know. Yeah. So it's it's continuous. It's
2: continuous and it's and and it's people very, when they
0: move and that yeah. that's continually updated as well and that's an automated sort of process where you're getting notifications.
2: Automated notifications, yes. Automated process, no. Okay, uh, so you're manually- So we get the notifications and then all of those notifications have to be reviewed by a county clerk employee that's to good. make a determination and ensure that what we're about to do is accurate. And and because of all of those checks I'm confident to say we have
1: the cleanest voter database that we've ever had in the state of Utah in the history of the state of Utah. That's an offshoot of vote by mail. We don't want to be mailing out ballots to people that have moved or have passed, passed away. A, we don't want to send the ballot because it's not going to be counted. If, if their voter registration is somewhere else, uh, and B, it costs us money. Mm -hmm. So because of that, Uh, we do have the cleanest uh, voter registration database that we've we've ever had, and we'll continue to do that because these are ongoing processes. They're not just a one and done. Um, And helping people understand that, uh, I think, is once again critical to understanding some of the security measures that we have in elections.
0: That makes a lot of sense. I appreciate you clarifying that because I wasn't sure, but that's nice to know. That you're receiving updates and it's a manual review. People are actually physically looking at it and verifying that. That's good.
1: And i i want to I want to be clear uh, and maybe give an example so that people understand. Because sometimes we get a call and say, "Well, I got a ballot for, we'll say my my son or daughter, and they moved." Okay, thank you for letting us know. Um, we have to know when people uh, move, otherwise. We're going to assume that there's an active voter here. Now, say they move to Maryland. Well, we would hope that they would register in Maryland, right? Um, and by letting us know, then we're going to be able to go through, verify. We're not just going to say, "Oh, well, we're moving," but we're going to go through steps to ensure that, yep, this person no longer is here, and then we'll clean it up. But just because you received a ballot for a person
0: mm-hmm. that
1: has moved, doesn't mean that that ballot can be cast. We have layers of security, once again, to make sure that only valid ballots that come back are counted. And so understanding that there is a real responsibility of the citizens as well to keep your your voter registration up to date. Um, Secure your ballot. If your neighbor walks up to you and says, "Hey, have you can I have your ballot?" say no right, <laughs> I mean, right. there's there's only so much we can do, but but the citizens right. have a responsibility uh, in this as well to help secure the vote. How
0: ballot is a ballot? so for example, say my kids graduated from college and they moved to Vermont mm-hmm. and and the ballot was still mailed to our house because that's the registered address because there were students in school. but now they're they have real jobs and they've moved. Is, is their ballot good in Utah for a certain period of time, or does it automatically disqualify them from voting in Utah if they have a new residency that's permanent in another state?
2: Yeah, once, once a person establishes a new residency um, from where they previously were, whether it's in the county, in a new city, in a different county, or out of state, once they establish that residency, um, then that previous registration is no longer valid. Okay. And so, uh, so it would not be valid in that case if they had moved and, and established a, a new residence in another the, state. But would,
0: would, the, would the responsibility be on them to let you know about that? Absolutely. So the yeah. ballot would be counted if you. I mean, if they if they didn't call and say, "Hey, I moved," would their ballot still be counted?
2: It could be, yes. Okay. Um,
0: if they haven't registered in another state, it all
2: comes down to what the voter's intent is. In in many okay. ways. Um, If a voter moved with the intent of establishing a new residency outside of the state, uh, then technically speaking, uh, they would no longer qualify to be a registered voter in the state of Utah. Now, if they ended up voting that ballot, their Utah ballot, um, and then also maybe registered in another state and voted in another state, at that point, they would be committing a crime and they could be prosecuted for that. So it's always so very that's important their responsibility. Yeah, that the voter does understand that. And, and what Curtis mentioned, you know, I, I, I visited with a citizen that was concerned about vote by mail and, and they had indicated that they had received, they continued to receive a number of ballots for their children, their adult children, who have just not updated their registration. And this was the, one of the concerns that they had with vote by mail and said, well, your checks aren't working. Um, because, you know, it didn't pick up in our national change of address or a driver's license record or anything like that. And I said, that's why it's very important that we highlight this last check that's critical. And that's that personal responsibility. It's our citizens. Um, and I asked this individual, I said, well, did you notify us that they moved? And their response was, of course, no, they didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, it's a critical piece. Right, I, it is. And I there's will,
0: personal responsibility to all of this.
2: I will tell our citizens, as an election administrator, I can really probably provide a very secure election, probably 98% security, right? But to make up that last 2%, I have to have citizen engagement. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have to take Absolutely. personal responsibility to keep your registration up to date. When you see something that doesn't seem right, for example, hey, I received my child's ballot at my house. They don't live here anymore then take that responsibility to report that, let your county clerk know that to where we can update those records. It's that last little 2% that is so important it's true. Uh, to make sure that we have that citizen engagement and involvement.
0: And you're right. It is our responsibility. I mean, at the end of the day, we, we know what we need to do in order to do our part. So, And,
1: and, and we want to, uh, our goal is to provide every person that has a right to vote the opportunity to vote. We also want to ensure that folks that should not vote, we don't let them vote. So we're kind of the referee in the middle, trying to make sure that people's rights are protected and bad actors are kept out. That's really what our goal is.
0: Right. And that makes so much sense. Can you explain a little bit about the separation of the two offices? because i've had some people ask me sure. about that I'll, so we had a clerk audit slash auditor office and now we'll have a clerk and an auditor office correct correct okay curtis yeah
1: so in uh it was back in 1998 that uh, the county commission uh made the determination that they wanted to combine and consolidate the offices and that uh you know at that time that apparently was in the best interest of the county um at this point uh, our commission uh, looking at how the county has changed, uh, the responsibilities associated with uh, overseeing and 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 running two uh, very uh, different and very demanding offices. Uh, our commissioners felt like the time uh, it was time to split those offices. So maybe to help people understand what the difference between the two offices are. As the uh, auditor, I serve as the budget officer. Uh, I do internal audit. Uh, I oversee tax administration. Uh, I'm the chief financial officer for the county and I run all of the purchasing. Uh,
0: That's a big job.
1: That is a big job. <laughs> it's been a big job. As the clerk, I oversee the elections uh, and the election process uh, for Davis County. I oversee the records retention for the county. Um, we issue marriage licenses, uh, and we also, uh, issue passports and, and do, uh, oh, and by the way, we also are the clerk for the legislative body for the commission. So, um, I can tell you it has been a lot over the last eight years. And, um, I, to be completely honest, I never anticipated that I that the office would split and I would still be uh, in one of those offices. Having said that, life happens. And mm-hmm. um, the commission made a decision that I'm fully supportive of. I, uh, having lived it for the last eight years, um, I can tell you my wife is
0: Very even more excited. supportive
1: of it than I, than I am. Um, and so the county has grown up in so many ways uh, in the last 20 years. 25 years, and it's changed dramatically. We have more uh, residents in Davis County today than we had registered voters when they uh, consolidated the office. And uh, the financial complexities of the organization have, have grown and developed as well. And so this will this split will um, give the elected official uh, the ability and more time to really focus on specific areas and i think uh i think that's where we need to be uh, in davis county so that's that's my position on it and i uh, it's hard mm-hmm. um it's hard to to uh to see the the separation uh, because i love elections i'm I'm passionate about it. I am not as knowledgeable as Brian. He has been my right hand and has been such a wonderful chief deputy. But I'm still passionate about elections and what it means. Earlier I said, this is how you save democracy. Mm -hmm. And I hope people understand what I'm saying there. Because if you do not believe that elections are safe and secure, all of these other topics that are decided by elected officials, they become meaningless. All the hot topic items. Because if you don't believe that the will of the people is being done because somehow elections have been undermined or compromised, then you don't believe that the decisions being made on these hot topics are legitimate. And that's mm-hmm. when we lose our democracy.
0: You're right. You said it so well.
1: Um, so, sorry, I got a little personal there. It, it, it's hard to see... I, it's hard to see the splitting of the office because I do care passionately about, uh, about what we do in the clerk's office. Um, I'm also very confident that there is no better person in this world than Brian McKenzie to take that over. And I'm also looking forward to maybe focusing a little more on where my background and expertise originally was uh, and helping the county move forward in those areas.
0: Curtis, thank you for that appreciate it and I love your passion for it. (laughs) It, It's really refreshing when people love what they do and they believe in it and I mean you're truly a public servant and that's that's what I love about Davis County and local local government because people really really care and you get to know them and that's what's so fun and and really rewarding is to have those personal relationships. What do you think Brian? Do you have anything you'd like to
2: I, I think Curtis topic. spoke it, spoke really well on the topic. It it is interesting. Uh, you know, I I've been in elections for 16 years, but I've been in the clerk auditor's office for 18 years. Um, it's been a wonderful career. It's been a wonderful experience to learn so many things uh, within the clerk's office. Definitely, my my skills and expertise are are geared towards what the county clerk is responsible for, uh, specifically in elections and record keeping. Um, that's that's where I started out my career was in in our records division. And so it's been an an amazing journey, learning and growing within the department, um, within the office and and just seeing how the county has grown just in those eighteen eighteen plus years now. Um, I'm excited for what the future will bring as as we're able to uh, spend some some dedicated time focusing on the individual offices. Curtis has been a great leader. Uh, his predecessor before him, uh, Steve mm-hmm. Rawlings, was a great leader as well. Um, but I have definitely uh, recognized, um, you know, especially right now, uh, it's it's the end of the year and it is budget time for the county. Oh, and yes. and my, my wonderful boss right now is pretty much out of pocket uh, as he is focusing all of his time and effort, making sure that the budget of the county works, uh, that's a challenge because right now it's also election time mm-hmm. and there are important things and important decisions that have to be made. And, and so I think that that's probably going to be one of the the key areas that we'll see a, a great benefit for the county. Uh, but it really is just recognizing that the county is growing, uh, that it, I, I truly believe that our citizens will be better served. With two separate dedicated elected officials, uh, being accessible to the citizens when they have questions, uh, being able to focus in on those areas of expertise and making sure that we're doing the right things at the right time the right way,
0: well, I sure do appreciate the work that both of you do mm-hmm. you're You're great public servants and and I really appreciate your time being here. Thank you for talking to us about elections and explaining the process a little bit in in even greater detail,
1: yeah. We, we do have kind of a, an interesting, uh, we've had some questions and maybe just take a brief oh, moment yeah, with Brian sure. about, we've had some questions about how do
2: write-in campaigns work? Oh, we do I was going to ask you this. Yeah. Thank
0: you for reminding me.
2: Yeah, so um, write-in campaigns are, are not something necessarily new, uh, but definitely here in Davis County, we do have a higher profile. Uh, write-in race that's taking place. Uh, but in general, so people can understand how write-in races work, um, you can only write in a name if there's a certified write-in candidate. And, uh, and what will happen is when those ballots come in, uh, those are reviewed by our election workers. And so every single one of those is, is basically hand-counted. Um, and what we have to look at there is making sure that we understand the voters' intent. So, for example, let's say that Mickey Mouse was the write-in candidate. Um, if if a person wrote in Mickey Mouse, that's very clear voter intent. Um, if they put M Mouse, that would be very clear voter intent as well. However, if Mickey Mouse and Minnie Mouse were both write-in candidates, and a voter put M Mouse, at that point we would be unable to determine voter intent. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: so that would be a spoiled that ballot? Would be a,
2: that would be a spoiled vote for that race. Okay. The rest of the ballot can be counted. Okay, just for um, that race. But just for that race. And so it's always important if a voter is choosing to write in a candidate, that they write in the candidate's full name. Make sure that it's very clearly legible. Uh, that's always the safe way, right? Um, but uh, we, we do have the ability under state law to look at that. And, and what has to happen is the two election workers that are reviewing that ballot, they have to be in agreement. Uh, of what the voters' intent was.
0: How many ballots will potentially come in for that, for that race? Do you know? Oh, okay, girl. I, I mean, I was just wondering. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm just trying to picture two people looking at every single handwritten, yeah. potentially handwritten.
2: So we, we will have, there will be several thousand. There will be right? several thousand because we also have a write in candidate for US Senate, uh, which would be a countywide race. So that, that will be a process in which we're reviewing thousands of ballots okay. um, and, and making sure that, uh, that every vote is counted the way that the voter intended it to be counted.
0: Do, go ahead.
2: And this is where it's
1: so interesting, and this is why I would encourage people to come in, view the process. We do engage technology to help streamline that and how we're viewing those ballots. And we don't have time today to, to walk you through everything, but please come in. I can tell you we've walked through federal officials, and we've taken time, and and we will take time, and walk. Uh, I can think of a a little old lady, easily 80 years old. She was concerned. She came in. She got the same tour as the federal official. The only thing different to her and, and the federal official's tour were the questions that were asked, because we wanted to answer her questions, and we wanted to answer the other person's questions. So um, if you have questions about that, it's it really is fascinating. And this is the people's process. Come
2: see how we we process those.
0: Can people just come in or do they need to make an appointment? How does that process work?
2: So right now, while we are in an election period of time, uh, they do need to register. They would register as a watcher. Okay. Um, and then they can come in.
0: Is there still time to do that? Absolutely. Okay. In
2: fact, if they go to our website, davisvotes.com, we have our election calendar posted there. That will give you the schedule on which, uh, for which we're processing ballots. So if somebody's interested in coming in, that would give them the schedule. It gives them our contact information. They can give us a call. We can get that set up for them pretty easy.
0: During the election, then are you twenty four hours in your office counting ballots? Or I mean, is the office open all night long? And fortunately, no, we're not. Oh, okay.
2: Uh, we we usually process ballots between around eight thirty and five p.m.
0: Oh, okay, that's yeah. good. All right. Yeah.
2: And
1: and once again, utilizing technology has helped us in so many ways to manage uh, the ballots. I, during a presidential, we'll probably, I would say, in in the next presidential, be well over two hundred thousand ballots that we process.
0: That's a lot. Yeah. And so That's incredible, yeah. and it's great.
1: Yeah, come come and see. No, November thirtieth is our next uh, uh, election integrity night. Or. We invite the public, 6 p.m., they can come to the administration building in Farmington. Uh, Third floor commission chambers is where we start, but we will end in the election center and they can see everything and have all their questions answered.
0: Fantastic, I encourage everyone to do that because it's a fascinating process. Thank you so much.
1: Thank Thank you.
0: To all my podcast listeners, thank you for listening. I really appreciate your feedback and your support. Please leave comments and please leave suggestions for future guests. And most importantly, subscribe. Thank you.